0: Well, Nicole, it is the end of freedom in America. Pour a little out for the U.S. of A.
1: Raleigh, what's up?
0: I'll tell you what's going on. The government is stopping us from going more than 15 minutes away from our house so that we can save the climate change or whatever.
1: Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. I don't think that you know what you're talking about, though. Raleigh, you've probably heard a lot of buzz recently about 15-minute cities. This is a term that has started coming up more and more often. Have you heard of 15-minute cities? Oh,
0: yeah. The communist left wants to lock us in our homes and take our cars away.
1: Yes, that is exactly what has been said about it and I actually I went to Google's like uh search history how often things you went to your searched. Google search history I went to my own Google search history You're like
0: what is this freak up to yeah
1: it's a lot of stuff like uh Helen Mirren Helen Mirren first role Helen Mirren young Helen Mirren last role you know it's just the same thing right. over and over again But in um, search history, you can see, like, how popular a search term has been. So I went to see, like, the overall Google search history of the term 15-minute cities, and I pulled up a little chart. And when I say it's kind of popped off recently, I do mean recently because you can see in this chart, it goes back to 2018. And you can see there's, like, little spikes Mm. here and there. But then right around the end of 2020, it cranks way up. Right. Uh, And so there's, like, people are talking about it now within the past, you know, six to eight months, more than they ever have in history.
0: Now more than ever. Now more than ever. Yeah.
1: We're talking about 15-minute cities.
0: And I I had never heard of a 15-minute city it it sort of sounds like you're trying to make a city in 15 minutes. It's like a cooking show. <laughs> it's thing. like an
1: easy Lego set. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Hurry up, make a 15 minute city, <laughs> and then we're gonna judge you based on population, uh-huh. building style, and walkability.
1: Yes, uh, and honestly, uh, those are not bad city ranking scores. Wow, thank you. Um, but like you said, obviously you've been exposed to the. Conspiracy element of the fifteen minute city. You mean
0: the what the lamestream media <laughs> is trying to stop me from hearing about?
1: Yes, it, it is basically the claim is that when we're talking about fifteen minute cities, big government is trying to lock you into wards like Hunger Games style district, and if you go fifteen minutes farther away than where you live, then they'll fine you. Yeah, you're they'll about to catch an you. arrow. Brother. Yeah, they will kill you if you go farther than 15 minutes away from your home. Mm. A term that you often hear bandied about is like, it's not about climate. It's about control. Right. Um, And I have, I have a clip that I think is emblematic of this attitude. I've edited this clip a little bit and I want to get out in front of it and say that it's because this guy linguistically wanders so far that to just get a concise, what he wants to say about 15 minute cities. I had to, that he went on like a two minute rant about how he fact checks the fact checkers. And then he wow. went down like another path about like a specific city in a town that is not a 15 minute city. And so it's just to get the 15 minute city stuff in one clip that this turns into, into a clip of I me did.
0: talking. I'm going to be so mad <laughs> This dipshit doesn't know how to string one sentence together.
1: So this is Mark Morano, who is the publisher of Climate Depot. (sighs) Uh, He is author of The Politically Incorrect Guide to Climate Change and Green Fraud, Why the Green New Deal is Even Worse Than You Think, and The Great Reset. Uh, he's also appearing on Dr. Drew's show. I don't know what happened to Dr. Drew, but I think I think at one point he was like sort of a respected sex columnist, right? And now I think he's gone full like right wing crank. Is that correct?
0: I mean, I don't even think I respected him as a sex columnist.
1: Okay. So, so this is longtime climate denier on questionable sex podcast talking about the 15-minute city. Got it.
2: And the idea here is they're going to, city planners and bureaucrats are going to make your experience living, everything within a 15-minute walk, your doctor, your job, your gym, your businesses, your grocery store, there's no reason to leave. If you remember the words in New Zealand Prime Minister, stay in your bubble during COVID lockdowns, you're you're supposed to trust the government as the only source of news. Instead of your COVID bubble, this is your climate bubble. Now, what they do is if you leave the neighborhood, they can actually fine you. You can get, you get I think, they're starting out up to two visits a week, if I'm not mistaken, at the Oxford model. But essentially, you get to leave a few times a week. If you leave, you have to pay a fine. They've actually had videos now of some of these practices where they have gates up for people trying to escape. And these 15-minute cities are frightening, and they're going to start out more liberal than you could imagine. But then there's nothing to stop them from constricting, constricting. Remember, the income tax started out as, what, 1%? And then continued to grow from there so they're going to try to make it as harmless as possible when they start but if once you concede the concept that you need to stay within 15 minutes to save the climate you've conceded yourself to totalitarianism
1: so that's sort of his deal i will say one thing i didn't notice when i was editing this clip together that i just picked up on while we were watching it is on the sidebar they're taking comments from the audience and one of the comments is except none of this will apply to them in big quotes but it's from User one waskily wabbit,
0: and also that's not a New Zealand accent.
1: No, terrible New Zealand accent.
0: That's a British accent. Yeah, everything. Stay about-
1: in your bubble. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh. And so this clip is, like I said, I had to edit this out make sense. a Please lot make of shit this because, make sense. because it, he he's sort of all over the map. So so let's talk about what a fifteen minute city is. He actually. Gets that part right, right? Where where he says like fantastic. Basically, a fifteen minute city is the shit that you need is close to you. Yeah, you know, it's you can access anything that you need, all of your basic necessities. (laughs) They want you to be
0: able to walk to work. They want you to be able (laughs) to walk to your doctor's office.
1: Yes, yes. This is also confusing because this guy's name is Mark Morano, but the guy who is credited with coining the term fifteen minute city is Carlos Moreno. So that one vowel sound is. is is crucial here. So Professor Carlos Moreno is a Sorbonne professor. Sorbonne? The Sorbonne in in France. And he's widely credited for coining the term in 2016. And yeah, it just basically means that shit you want should be easy to access. An article in the journal Smart Cities says, for the present 15-minute concept, Moreno supports that residents will be able to enjoy a higher quality of life where they will be able to effectively fulfill six essential urban social functions. Those include living, working, Commerce, healthcare, education, and entertainment. It just means all of the stuff is located close together. So a 15-minute city, A, living. Your house or apartment should be there. B, working. Your place of business should be there. C, commerce. Essential stores you need. Grocery stores, clothing stores, sporting goods stores. Right. You know, you should be able to get the basic necessities of life. D, healthcare. Maybe your specialist clinics aren't in your 15-minute city, but if you need to go to an urgent care or an emergency room, that should be easily accessible. Mm. E, education. Obviously, schools and stuff, but also continuing education, mm professional courses. Dance um, classes. Dance classes. Mostly dance classes. And F, entertainment. That's pretty broad. It could be anything from a movie theater to a rec center to a park to a bowling alley. Just anything that, you know, I'm looking for something to do this Saturday. I don't have to drive 20 miles to the closest town to
0: get to. And obviously, not every entertainment is within 15 minutes of you. Exactly. But like, enough that you wouldn't be the most boring person in the world.
1: Um, And that's it. That's all a 15 minute city is. It's within 15 minutes without a car. You can get to all of these basic functions of life. It's not every single thing you could conceivably need, but in most cases, for most people, most of the stuff that you need is going to be accessible to so you. So I will say, as a child, I would have fucking killed for a 15-minute sitting yeah. as a as a
0: young person mm-hmm. without access to a car. Yes. So why? Why? Why is this a bad thing?
1: Um, so... Our dear friend, Mark Morano. Let's call him
0: Carlos and Mark, I think. Okay, help. Mark,
1: yes. So Mark kind of got into this a little bit, and the right has connected the idea of climate lockdowns to COVID lockdowns. And so Mm. that's why this stay in your bubble stuff comes up. And this is basically the idea that global elites are using lockdowns to restrict our movement and big brother us. You know, this is 1984. They're locking us down. They're making sure we don't have freedom of movement. And a lot of it was in response to the kind of slew of articles that came out about like the earth is healing, Mm -hmm. you know, like Mm -hmm. uh, uh, our COVID lockdowns have helped us get closer to our climate goals. You know, conspiracy theorists have put this together as these COVID lockdowns were a trial run for longer climate lockdowns. God.
0: What an incredible trial run the world's (laughs) governments were able to pull off. Yeah. I would go so far as to say, if you've got that kind of control over people, you probably don't need to do a dry run. Just go for (laughs) it.
1: Yeah. I just real quick have to shout out our researcher, Carly Rizzuto, who helped me research this episode. And we're about to go through a a, a pretty in-depth tracking of how this whole term and how this whole line Mm. of thought developed. And God bless her for scrolling through just pages and pages of <laughs> shit to, to build this timeline. And this is largely based on the Institute for Strategic Dialogues report Climate Lockdown and the Culture Wars How COVID 19 Sparked a New Narrative Against Climate Action. This is going to be pretty detailed, but if you want to see the even more detailed version of this, go check out that report. So, starting in April of 2020, in reply to a Guardian article about like pandemic pollution stuff and how to make a green recovery, Steve Malloy, who is on the Heartland Institute's board of directors, tweeted, quote, how climate bedwetters hope to translate the hashtag coronavirus lockdown into a climate lockdown. Climate bedwetters. Yeah.
0: I will give them this. They got good burns. I like <laughs> I like those burns because yeah. it like infantilizes them. It yeah. like makes them look hysterical. The term climate alarmist, I think, is like really a nice rhetorical yeah. device. But
1: that point in like mid-April 2020 is like kind of the, the beginning of all of this. And then that tweet was then amplified and then used as the centerpiece for an article on ClimateDepot.com who... That is our friend Mark's website. And a few months later, unrelated, an economist and professor named Mariana Matsukato, I think I'm pronouncing that right, uh, published an article in Project Syndicate called Avoiding a Climate Lockdown. And, Project
0: Syndicate. And
1: I don't really know what Project Syndicate's deal is. I can it, take
0: a stab at it. <laughs>
1: well, but here's the thing. It seems like this article is, they're framing it. In this way to like kind of generate clicks, which is a problem we'll talk about later. But it seems like this article is just like, here's the policies that we need to put in place to avoid, you know, official lockdown policy if we want to get our carbon emissions down. Hmm. I think I think they're using what was at the time on everybody's minds as a lockdown as a way to get clicks on an article that is kind of just about the economics and policy decisions that affect climate mitigation.
0: I guess even... Conjuring the specter of a climate lockdown, even in service of saying like, we don't want it, mm-hmm. feels a little bit
1: yes, yes. poor optics. It's a, This is a little bit of a spoiler for later, but no, I, I, know. I
0: haven't finished
1: it yet. <laughs> well, we're going to get there together. But okay. I do think that a lot of the framing on the climate activist side of this conversation has not been 100 percent helpful with this. It's well-meaning, but we'll see why I, I think that maybe that's a contributing factor later. Gotcha. Um, so, so this article comes out about, you know, how to avoid climate lockdown that isn't explicitly tied to this conspiracy movement. Uh, but then Market Watch picked up that article as, quote, opinion. We need to act boldly now if we were to avoid economy-wide lockdowns to halt climate change. In the two weeks before... Matsukato's article came out, analysts identified just 26 tweets discussing climate lockdown on Twitter. But then in the seven days after the publication, this had risen to almost 3,000. Okay. And MarketWatch has millions of users. So, so, this is the point from this article that the idea of climate lockdowns and how they might affect us really gets broadcast out to a number of people. But uh,
0: so, so, just to be clear, no one is suggesting climate lockdowns.
1: At this point, nobody is seriously suggesting climate lockdowns.
0: And it's just like, uh oh. How do we get an article to pop off? Well, we have the word lockdown in it, and, and how so. do we write about climate change? What if we try to like say something climate lockdowny, yeah. and then people are seeing this and like, what
1: climate lockdown? But I love. Driving. And I don't. I don't even think it's that far yet. I think mm. it's literally just right wing people are had had made that connection, and then this professor who may not even have come up with her own title, if it's anything like how news reporting works, I don't know. Somebody slapped the word lockdown on that paper. And now this has happened.
0: And honestly, kudos to that person. (laughs) They did get a lot of clicks. clicks. They got a lot of
1: clicks. So then in late September of that year, this is just like a couple weeks after she publishes her article, Newsbusters publishes an article called Soros Gates Funded Org $6.5 Million World May Need Climate Lockdown. And so now it's to the point where we have connected it to George Soros and the, you know, the global conspiracy theories and new world order. Anti-Semitic. Can we get some of that Soros money? Like, I feel like we're... I'm doing all this shit for free. We're doing this for free. And George Soros is giving people money for it. If you are listening...
0: Which he is. Which
1: he is. The Climate Deniers Playbook is open for business. We have a Patreon. We will take your money.
0: We'll take all that dirty commie money. (laughs) Famously wealthy communist... George Soros. Tell tell me the headline of this article again, because the moment you said it, I got 10% dumber.
1: Soros slash Gates funded org, $6.5 million. Quote, world may need climate lockdown.
0: Okay. That is the most efficient way to do that. It's like 11 words.
1: It gets as many inflammatory things in there for your...
0: It's millions of dollars. It's Mouthwatering Soros. base. It's fucking word salad. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense, but it's it's perfectly constructed by a, a, some kind of AI, <laughs> some some furious AI. Yes. <laughs>
1: Um, and so this article centers on the fact that Project Syndicate, which we talked about before, had received funding from both George Soros Open Society Foundations and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And so people take this as evidence that the global elite are promoting this like eco-extremist agenda. And by the way, as long as we're talking about who funds who, um, Newsbusters, who published this, is owned by the Media Research Center, a self-described right-of-center media watchdog. Uh, there's lots of conservative funders and notably ExxonMobil is one of their funders. Sick. So- and so
0: this is, this says nothing to- with fifteen-minute cities, yet we've just heard the phrase "climate, climate lockdown." Lockdowns. Okay, exactly. Got it, got it.
1: But uh, again, it's the conflation of the idea of fifteen-minute cities with all gotcha. these climate lockdowns.
0: Sorry, this is—it's not a critique of your structure. I just wanted to make no, sure. No, that no, no. We hadn't... we
1: got to reiterate this for the audience. Okay, cool. Where we're not even touching fifteen-minute okay, cities yet. It, again, this is this is about two years before the term 15 minute city" even spikes in Google searches. Okay, okay. After this article comes out, the climate lockdown idea blows up, and at this point, the narrative is shared by a lot of prominent climate science deniers, conspiracy YouTubers. And this is the point when it starts getting into more mainstream stuff like One America News Network and The Washington Times. Now in these publications, which I don't personally respect, but a lot of our grandparents do, it has been officially connected to the New World Order and this big brother thing. So then in October to December of 2020, Laura Ingram of Fox News tweeted about climate lockdowns quite a bit, which again, this is, they are on the country's most watched network, like Mm -hmm. all of our grandparents, all of our uncles. The
0: mainstream of media.
1: But so so these very mainstream news hosts are now using this term and they're connecting it to Joe Biden being pressured to declare a climate emergency. Uh, And And by by the the way... way He still has yeah. not done that. It's it's. We're now three years later. He has not declared a climate emergency. Not only has he
0: not done that, this is October, December of 2020. 2020. Biden is not president. No,
1: he is not president at this point in time. He, and now that he is president, he has not declared a climate I emergency. I love
0: this like, uh-oh, they're going to do this. And it's like, we can go back and track all of these predictions that you've made and none of them have happened. Nope. And so like, <laughs> when are we going to stop listening to these people?
1: Yeah. Um, This is the point when I want to talk about how this was exacerbated by, like, people who we might consider to be our allies. I think that there was a time when, in the spirit of generating more discussion and getting more people to click on, like, pro-climate action articles, there were a lot of headlines and tweets that came out that was like, look how effective a short lockdown was at, you know, briefly reducing... Carbon emissions, noise pollution, uh, wildlife started coming back. We need to consider how to replicate these effects of lockdowns so that nature can heal. You know, nature is healing was a big thing.
0: Effectively, like, we can do it. Yes. Human human beings have the power to change how we act and we can affect the climate. So, like... Let's recognize that we have power.
1: Yes. But this was framed in a way, so like in early 2021, there was a Guardian article with a headline that sort of implied that, you know, to meet our climate goals, we have to have a lockdown every two years. It was a bad framing and a bad headline for an article, but basically the premise of it was if we... Keep cutting emissions by the amount that they were cut during the lockdown every two years, we will be on track to meet our Mm. climate Mm. goals. We don't have to do that through a lockdown by any means, but- that is the amount that we need to cut it, that equivalent a lockdown amount. lockdown level. We need to see a sea change in our behavior because a lockdown level was what was required to do it last time. So let's figure out how to spread that pain so that it is easier for us to get to those emissions cuts. So that's the kind of thing we're seeing. The World Economic Forum, who right-wingers and conspiracy theorists already hate, had to tweet an apology. They initially tweeted with like video of empty highways and dolphins coming back and all that stuff they they tweeted that video with lockdowns are quietly improving cities around the world. Um, which ignited right-wing conspiracy fervor. And they had to tweet an apology that says, we're deleting the tweet. Lockdowns aren't quietly improving cities around the world, but they are an important part of the public health response to COVID-19. I don't know if it was reasonable to expect people at the time to understand how damaging that framework would be, but it did definitely feed right into like, right-wing conspiracy theories that like, liberals and communists are trying to shut us down forever. So now we're in 2021, and we've basically got this beast, you know, this hatred of climate lockdowns, this people on the lookout for any hint that we might restrict any movement for climate lockdowns.
0: Hatred of climate lockdowns, a thing that have never happened.
1: Correct. Okay, got it. Again, we haven't talked about 15-minute cities at all yet. Um, But in 2022, the IPCC report mentioned the 15-minute city as a climate solution for what I think is the first time. It wasn't, as far as I could tell, in the 2021. So I think Uh, In 2022, the IPCC report was the first time it mentions it. The quote is a little bit dry, but the way they reference it is spatial planning, urban form and infrastructure can be utilized to deliberately increase both locational and mobility options for socio behavioral change in support of urban mitigation. The mitigation impact of active travel can include a reduction of mobility related lifecycle CO2 emissions. Mm. So we're saying change people's behavior will reduce their CO2 emissions urban areas that develop and implement effective 15 or 20 minute city programs are very likely to reduce urban energy use and multiply emissions reductions representing an important cascading effect. So that is the totality of the mention of 15 minute cities. That is the first time that it comes up. It's basically a fancy way of saying we're building an environment that encourages non-car ways of getting around. Mm. That is an effective way to mitigate CO2 pollution. But ever since then, conspiracy theorists have tied it to Basically, any disaster, any kind of environmental disaster that's happened. And they now see those disasters as PSYOPs for trying to get us to do climate lockdowns. Um, So these are – I'm going to show you a series of tweets. So after the East Palestine train derailment, Uh these are some tweets that came out that tied that disaster to the 15-Minute City. I think go ahead and just read them.
0: Okay. So this is from Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And they are verified. Dr. Sherry Tenpenny says – Can they make it any more obvious? They use disasters to bring in and force people into their 15-minute cities. East Palestine, Hurricane Ian, the next plandemic, 15-minute cities being promoted now in southern Florida to help recovery from Hurricane Ian.
1: Wake up, Florida! I will say that in answer to her question, they could make it more obvious yeah. if that's their plan. I don't know how first of all the government caused the hurricane and I don't know how we were supposed to draw the conclusion that because of a hurricane we're supposed to live in 15-minute cities, but to me that is not an obvious connection.
0: Yeah, that uh, that that is a pretty impressive way for the government to judo their way into 15-minute cities yeah. if that's what they're trying to do. All right, this is from the Patriot Voice. Oof. Man, I cannot believe that the word patriot has like so deeply been co-opted by people yeah. who are like, love it or leave it. You know, like, yeah. I don't care about my fellow citizens if you don't agree with me. It's like, that's not. How. But
1: they're also the same people who would hate the Patriot Act.
0: No, they love the Patriot Act.
1: The one where they spy on you? Yeah. These are the people who are worried about Big Brother.
0: Yeah, but they love it when they spy on brown the people. terrorists. Got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So this is from the Patriot Voice. Cleveland, Ohio wants to be the first- 15 minute smart city in the united states guess what two question marks east palestine is approximately 90 miles away from cleveland guess what the u.s government can do with contaminated and toxic land evict the residents forcefully i can't think of a better way to make people relocate to a heavily surveilled and controlled wef prison city
1: world economic forum
0: oh fuck okay I can't think of a I can't I can't think of a better way to make people relocate to a heavily surveilled and controlled WEF prison city. Can you?
1: Yes, I can. I can think of many. I think give them cheap housing, give them cheap education, have uh, you know, good social services and resources. Like, I mean, those I can are th- always th- to convince people to move. Here's an even better one: without a fucking train,
0: you can make a move. You can march them into a city at gunpoint. Yeah, you could do that. I yeah. guess. One
1: famous thing about totalitarian regimes is they didn't have to like trick the people they were subjugating. Right.
0: In fact, they, <laughs> they didn't did trick them. Yeah. They just made them. Okay. And then right. one more
1: tweet about it. God.
0: What better way to usher... I can't I can't really read who tweeted this, which I think is for the best. What better way to usher rural off-grid folks who have no dependency on the system into their 15-minute cities by making their environment inhabitable... Uninhabitable, I think they meant to say? Yeah,
1: it says inhabitable, but you are correct and ma- it should be uninhabitable.
0: To ma- um, okay. What better way to usher rural off-grid folks who have no dependency on the system into their 15-minute cities by making their environment... Inhabitable through deliberate poisoning of their land, water, and air. Problem, reaction, solution, Ohio. <laughs> I feel like that's a great motto for Ohio. Yeah,
1: Problem, re- reaction, reaction,
0: solution, solution Ohio. Ohio.
1: <laughs> that is a new tourism campaign for sure. Jesus. My favorite part of this one is that they're acting like the suburb of East Palestine was some off-grid rural development. They had Wi-Fi, like they had electricity. They are very much on grid. These are not like a a troop of independent libertarian homesteaders. Mm. Like they were already dependent on all of the existing systems that we have. Also,
0: yeah, show me that group of off-grid people who are not getting electricity from a grid, not getting water from a a water main. Like Mm -hmm. this is not a commonly found group of people
1: certainly not in america right. you know there there might be i think some like poorly stocked reservations or some like really dilapidated communities in rural areas who might not have all of those features sure, sure. but it's not like they don't have road access you know
0: yeah i mean the, the, just the idea that there's like all these people who are like oh we're living off the land completely independent from the u.s government and they are now forcing us To go into the fifteen minute minute cities. cities. This is literally what the American government did to indigenous people and never to white people.
1: Yeah. And also, you know, the places that we put the Native Americans didn't have like great walkable amenities. (laughs) Like that wasn't that wasn't like part of the whole deal, you know?
0: Hey there, a little inside baseball. We record this very podcast at the Climate Town office. And if you're not familiar with Climate Town, it's a YouTube series we make for as cheaply as possible. And that means schlepping our camera equipment all over New York City. Yes, our backpacks are full, and the gear we reach for every time is Peak Design. That voice you just heard is Ben Bolt, the executive producer of this podcast and of Climate Town. That's right, Raleigh. I mean, this is an ad, but we are genuinely loaded with Peak Design gear, from backpacks to sling bags to camera accessories and by we i usually just mean ben ben literally has like seven things from peak design on during any given shoot yeah really i mean they make good stuff uh my freaking phone case from peak design my phone charger on my desk that's peak design too my out front bike mount that i can put my phone on guess what peak design you know that little tripod we use on climate town shoots The little travel tripod The little travel tripod they got organizers they got straps clips duffel bags Everyday bags. And they're not and f***ing around. Peak Design gear is guaranteed for life whether you buy it first hand or tenth hand. And they can make that kind of commitment and not go broke because they build stuff to last. As my father would say, it's built like a brick shit house. And now I'm hearing it out loud, that term is a little dated. Peak Design is a certified fair trade B Corp that prides itself on recyclable materials and it lobbies lawmakers in D.C. for environmental legislation. They're also the group who nominated Climatown to be an environmental partner with 1% for the planet. So double thank you. And they also have been a podcast supporter of ours from day one. And also, also, they just make really good stuff. So go to peakdesign.com playbook. That's P-E-A-K design.com playbook for 20% off some of our favorite products and a picture of Ben on set dripping with Peak Design gear.
3: I'm literally going to try to put as many pieces of Peak Design gear as I possibly can into one picture.
0: I'm glad we just got health insurance because Ben's back is going to be demoed. But not because the Peak Design stuff is heavy. The other shit that we put well, inside in it. Well, in bulk, it's heavy. If you, if you stack enough all... Peak Design stuff. Yeah, okay. I'm but not saying sweet, it's heavy gear. They got a it's good shoulder gear. strap. It really takes the weight off your it's shoulder. It's going to crush you to death. But that's how I got to go. Sayonara. Okay, so now 15-Minute Cities is slowly getting into the like... So
1: now it's completely it's completely like melded um, with this idea of control and the mm. government trying to keep you down. And now that we're here, like any time a city tries to implement any measure that regulates anything in any way, it is now tied to this idea of the 15-Minute City, which in this conspiracy landscape means control. So one city that I have found that's there's just a lot of clips of that's been pretty emblematic of this is Oxford, which is part of Oxfordshire in England. Oxfordshire in England introduced a new feature. I'm going to let the clips tell you about that. This first one is from uh, Laura Ingram's show. So remember... Your relatives have seen this clip. And we're, we're talking about Oxford and Oxfordshire in England here.
4: It's absolutely catastrophic. They're actually already introducing these in the UK, in several cities. Lots of them are planned. They wouldn't nobody ever voted for this. What it actually means is actually putting up, they, put these road, they actually have these roadblocks or cameras in different zones around the city, which means that you're not allowed, people are not allowed to use their cars outside of that zone, that so-called 15-minute zone, more than a hundred times per year. So you can make basically a couple of journeys a week outside of the zone. So everything else, you're supposed to be the idea is you're supposed to be shopping, working inside the zone. And so that's the only place you know you're allowed to travel by car. And of course they, they make it actually very difficult even within the zone to do any travel by car. But the idea is essentially to stop you yes, you know, to stop you going out of the zone, stop you traveling wherever you want. And the, the joke about this, the artist, it's kind of like an irony, is that this is supposed to ultimately, you know, stop people traveling by car. But in practice, people will have to go out of the zone to get to work, to take their kids to school, etc., like that. And, and what's going to happen is they'll simply have to drive much further to get back to where they need to be.
0: Professor, your analysis has been invaluable. We appreciate you. Thank you so much
1: now how bad is bud light hurting <laughs> just immediately going into how bad is bud light a couple things i want to point out just visually about this that the listeners at home can't see laura ingram absolutely looks like she's on quaaludes the whole time what face i can't believe
0: she got quaaludes. what face is
1: this the Chiron at the bottom says in a net zero economy you'll be cold and hungry who writes this shit who whose Geniuses? job
0: is it yeah
1: People who are very smart at inciting a reaction in your grandparents. Um, Okay, so this is Professor Norman Fenton, and he's a professor, so probably he's pretty smart and knows about this stuff, right? The thing is, Norman Fenton is a professor of mathematics and computer science, and there's no reason for him to be speaking on this matter at all. He is probably actively publishing vaccine skepticism as we speak. You can look him up on Twitter. It's the only thing he tweets about. He complains often about being canceled and censored, despite this clip where he appears on one of the most popular shows in America on our most-watched television network. Um, And he's mostly a COVID truther, like I said, but he does occasionally into climate issues, mostly as they relate to the World Economic Forum conspiracies. And he's basically here because of the COVID climate lockdown situation.
0: It it is so wild that like, as long as you get the word professor in the name somewhere, people will put you on television to talk about whatever the fuck you want to talk about. Yeah. So I get the term 15 minute cities, like everything you need is within a 15 minute walk, Mm -hmm. transit ride away. So where is the restriction part? Like, What are the actual laws or rules or even guidelines that prevent you from actually leaving? What's that about?
1: There aren't any. The 15-Minute City is about access, and it's about what you have access to within 15 minutes. So it's really a policy of adding things. It's about adding amenities closer to you. It's about adding transit lines. It's about adding safe ways to walk and bike places. But inherent within the 15-minute ideology, there's nothing about banning or restricting anything. It is loosely associated with ideas of banning single-family zoning although it is possible to have a 15-minute city that is all single-family houses as long as you can walk to work, stores, healthcare, recreation, which you can Mm. theoretically do from single-family zoning. There is nothing in a 15-minute city that says you can't do X aside from you can't take more than 30 minutes to get to one of your essential functions.
0: Gotcha. So it's like all carrot no stick is yes. the 15 minute and city. And
1: even calling it that overstates what a 15 minute city is. It's not a policy. It's there isn't a law somewhere that says you have to be a 15 minute city. A 15 minute city is kind of a mental framework for planners to think about whether or not a community has access to all the stuff that it needs.
0: It's just like wouldn't it be cool if we had this? Yeah. So so it's it's like Oh, I'm a dog person. Oh, Uh so that means that you cannot look at a cat or pet a cat or own a cat? It's like, no, no. I just like, I think it'd be nice to have a dog around. Like, oh, so you hate parrots? You
1: want everybody to have a dog.
0: Got it. Everyone's going to be forced to have a dog. All cats are going to be rounded up, tied up in a sack, and thrown into the Atlantic Ocean. These are policies the government is right now implementing. In Oxfordshire.
1: (laughs) That is basically the conversation that we're having. God
0: damn. Okay. So this is uh, bleak.
1: Yes. And this Oxfordshire example, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it in a second, but I do kind of want to illustrate the degree to which it has permeated our consciousness as the kind of typical go-to example for 15-Minute City conspiracy theorists. This is a Bitcoin guy who runs a crypto advice YouTube channel here to tell us about the 15-Minute City in Oxfordshire.
3: In practice, 15-Minute Cities mean setting up cameras everywhere to keep track of where everyone is driving to ensure that they do not leave their designated district Too frequently. In the case of Oxford, these boundaries will be enforced through traffic filters that will automatically issue fines to violating vehicles. The pilot is tentatively scheduled for the start of 2024 and it will see the city of Oxford divided into six districts. Those living in a particular area will be allowed to drive into other districts up to 100 times a year. After that, fines get issued. Now this sounds like a lot until you realize that many people need to drive through several districts to commute to work. The council addressed these concerns by saying that commuters could just use the ring roads outside of the main city. The community responded by pointing out that this would take a lot more time and cause a lot more pollution, and reducing pollution and car use is supposedly the purpose of the pilot.
1: And if you can't trust a guy who has uh, carefully placed his Bitcoin mug in the front of his video and is wearing a T-shirt for his own YouTube channel about Bitcoin, who can you trust?
0: I mean, this guy looks pretty credible to me.
1: Yes. So who
0: is this central committee? Like, where do they govern from? Who are they? How do they get there? like, shadowy cloaks? What's going on?
1: As far as I can tell, it's just, like, the city council. They might call it something different because it's the UK and they can't do anything normal.
0: Those assholes. Why can't they copy us?
1: Yes. As far as I can tell, it's just the city council and they, you know, it's the body that like uh, approves or denies proposals. I think that this is probably they either had traffic engineers and planners on staff or they hired a team of consultants and were like, hey, we are experiencing traffic problems at these locations, make a recommendation. And after a series of back and forth, whoever came up with the plan brought it to the city council and they were like, yay or nay? And they said, yay. And they went on with it. It sounds
0: like they said, maybe let's (laughs) think about a plan. (laughs) They're like, all right, next year we're going to start possibly implementing this rough draft of a plan.
1: Yeah. As far as I can tell, it's just like sort of an ordinary, I don't know the exact governmental structure of Oxfordshire, England, but I have to imagine that it's not an oligarchy with bloodlust and the legal purview to lock people into their zones. Right. It's a city council. But in terms of them arguing against whether or not it is more climate efficient, I mean, sitting and idling in traffic is less climate efficient than driving at highway speed. That's why cars get better miles per gallon on the highway totally. than they do in town. Because it hasn't happened yet, these people are, are just arguing for their commute. They don't actually know what the impact on pollution is going to be and and they don't actually know what the impact on traffic is going to be now I'm gonna break down why all of this is wrong in a second but this is this is an op-ed that I would like for you to read about this Oxfordshire trial that is beginning in 2024
0: okay the name of this article is Oxfordshire also Oxfordshire if I wrote a sketch and the it took place in Oxfordshire England
1: British ass name you'd yeah. be
0: like this is this no one will believe that there is yeah. a place called Oxfordshire yeah Okay. Oxfordshire County Council passed climate lockdown trial to begin in 2024. And then there's a giant picture. And over the picture in impact font says climate lockdowns." Uh Oxfordshire County Council yesterday approved plans to lock residents into one of six zones to save the planet from global warming. The latest stage in the 15-minute city agenda is to place electronic gates on key roads in and out of the city, confining residents to their own neighborhoods. Under the new scheme, if residents want to leave their zone, they will need permission from the council who gets to decide who is worthy of freedom and who isn't. Under the new scheme, residents will be allowed to leave their zone a maximum of 100 days per year. But in order to even gain this, every resident will have to register their car details with the council who will then track their movements via smart cameras around the city. And then it's a little paragraph (laughs) name. You don't need a name for your paragraph, but they decided to have one. And the name is communism will make the weather better. Okay. And the paragraph says... Oxfordshire County Council, which is run by Labor, the Liberal Democrats, and the Green Party, secretly decided to divide up the city of Oxford into six 15-minute districts in 2021, soon after they were elected to office. None of the councillors declared their intention of imprisoning local residents in their (laughs) manifestos, of course, preferring to make vague claims about how they will improve the environment instead. Every resident will be required to register their car with the county council who will then monitor how many times they leave their district via number plate recognition cameras. Under the new rules, your social life becomes irrelevant. By de facto, councils get to dictate how many times per year you can see your friends and family. You will be stopped from fraternizing with anyone outside your district, and if you want a long-distance relationship in the future, forget it. You are confined to dating only those within a 15-minute walk of your house. A single person's life will be at the mercy of communists in central office, dictating the same type of draconian rules we had to avert the last crisis, a mild flu virus so deadly 80% of people didn't even know they had it. An entirely new social structure is being imposed on Oxford's residents, and more cities are to follow, under the lie of saving the planet. But what it really is, is a plan for command and control. There will be permits, penalties, and even more ubiquitous surveillance. Council officials will determine where you can go and how often, and will log every time you do. 15-minute cities or 15-minute prisons.
1: That's right, Raleigh, the Communists don't want you to kiss anybody in Zone three.
0: Oh, those zone three ears with their beautiful, oily lips.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, so this is the kind of dialogue that we are having about 15-minute cities, but here's the thing: All of this is false on its face. What? All of this is Come on.: Absolutely unhinged, false shit. The policy that they're referring to is not even a 15-minute city measure. The word 15-minute city is not mentioned anywhere in the policy. I think other people in Oxford in planning for a green future have mentioned the term 15-minute city as a way to think about adding amenities, and that has now latched on to this policy, which is, drumroll... A traffic calming measure.
0: Ah. This
1: is what the actual policy is. Basically, there are six roads in Oxfordshire that get super congested. Okay. That's right. Six roads out of all the roads in Oxfordshire. So during peak travel times, they've designated sections of these roads where if you travel without a specific permit, you get a small fine. And each section of the road that is part of this policy is not long. It's like a few meters Really? Because these are, the, these are the pressure points in the system where congestion is happening. Okay. So the totality of this policy is for a few hours a day, about 100 total meters of road in the entire county of Oxfordshire, you have to pay to drive there on those roads. That's the policy. What?
0: But what about the districts?
1: Basically, the six pressure points in this policy create zones which are just used in thinking about how you can get from one place to another. Okay. So instead of using these thoroughfares, what the council is trying to do is encourage people to use the ring road outside the city. Because It can contain more cars, it's faster, there's less stop-and-go traffic, and it won't build up congestion in these points in the city where people are trying to get from one side of the city to another. So when you see this colorful map with the different zones, all those zones refer to is X number of people a day are trying to get from this part of town to this part of town. The holdup is happening at this nexus right here. So if we can divert people away from this specific intersection – then traffic will be less congested.
0: And so if this you, is the
1: kind of boring traffic engineering policy that we are talking about that has spurred the communists stopping you from dating.
0: Gee, so, so, okay, hang on. So if you want to drive during rush hour on a certain street, mm-hmm. you get 100 of those free per year. And then after that, you, 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 can a, you
1: can buy a permit for 100 of those a year. So basically, if you're somebody who, either because you don't want to use the ring road or you have a reason, you know, maybe you have sort of a Montague Capulet relationship with somebody in zone three and you oh want to go God. see them often, you can buy a permit and then you get, I don't know how much the permit is, but you get 100 crossings of that intersection per year for free.
0: At Peak hours at peak at hours at non-peak hours at non-peak hours anybody a, can a use it. It's fucking feel that. Yeah, okay. exactly.
1: Um, and then if you use it more than a hundred times, then you have to pay the fee, and the fee is like seventy pounds. But if you pay it within a week, it goes down to like twenty pounds or something like okay. that. Um, a lot of vehicles are exempt from this if you live on the street where these. Nodes are you never have to pay if you're an emergency vehicle, you never have to pay certain accessibility vehicles don't have to pay. There's like a lot of exemptions to this rule. Also, it's worth noting there are no physical barriers. If there is some kind of emergency, if your zone three wife is in the hospital having a baby and you need to go straight to the hospital and not use the ring road, you can go. There's nothing in your way. You might get hit with the fine, but you're not going to, you know, nobody's going to pop your tires. There's not a spike strip or anything. Got it. One thing that's worth noting about this policy, some people would be like, well, any restriction of movement is draconian. We have this shit everywhere in America. This already exists. Think about places like school loading zones after school. Mm. For a few hours a day, you just, you can't drive in certain lanes on the street. During rush hour, like think about Broadway in Denver. During rush hour, you cannot drive in the bus lane. They will pull you over and give you a ticket. Mm. These are like pretty common things that we already have. Loading zones at the airport, they don't let you like circle around. You have to like leave unless you are there to pick somebody up. So
0: Oxfordshire isn't trying to like Develop mixed-use zoning? No,
1: this is literally a traffic calming measure. It has nothing to do with amenities, which is what a 15-minute city is. And every city before the automobile was pretty much designed as a 15-minute city. Mm. This is not like a new concept. It's just a new terminology. And whenever there is any kind of traffic calming measure or any measure to restrict movement in any way, people now associate it with climate lockdowns and 15-minute cities. And so, you know, everybody's guidebook to life, Jordan Peterson, tweeted specifically about this Oxfordshire thing, and this is what he said about it.
0: All right. Do you want me to try to do a Jordan Peterson voice? I don't even know what he sounds like.
1: The idea that neighborhoods should be
0: walkable is lovely. The idea that idiot, tyrannical bureaucrats can decide by fiat whether allowed to drive is perhaps the worst imaginable perversion of that idea. And make no mistake,
1: it's all part of a well-documented plan. Getting a little (laughs) leprechaun-y.
0: He's a little leprechaun. For a Canadian, he's he's very leprechaun He's a little
1: Canadian leprechaun. One thing I want to point out about this tweet is uh, where he says, the idea that idiot tyrannical bureaucrats can decide by fiat where you're allowed to drive, we already decide where you're allowed to drive. That's what roads are. It's a
0: road, dog. That's where you drive. We didn't democratically vote on where the highways were going to go.
1: That's famously one of the big problems with the highways. Yeah,
0: Eisenhower is like, I want my tanks to be able to go from California to Washington, D.C. And
1: we're going to plow this black neighborhood to make that happen. We already decide where people can drive. That's where the roads are. And when stuff like construction is happening or there's a parade route or a big traffic collision has occurred, we already divert people. You know, no libertarian can go to the site of a horrific car crash and be like, I deserve to drive my car here. I love that idea. Uh, Excuse me, which brain-dead
0: bureaucrat decided to put this flaming car right here? (laughs)
1: So, this is like all all pretty basic stuff that we already do for traffic management mm-hmm. purposes the This traffic calming measure is designed to reduce traffic congestion, road danger, and pollution again, these are particular pain points in the city. It's also going to enable improvements to existing bus service times and reliability. So it helps with the 15-minute city thing in the sense that it will make things more accessible by bus. But again, it's not explicitly a 15-minute city thing, and it'll also make it safer for people to walk and cycle. And you know, if they have disabilities, it, it makes it much safer and easier for them to get around too. Particularly because if they are in an accessible vehicle, they can still go through. Mm. This is sort of similar to sometimes you'll see places conflate the 15-minute city with congestion pricing. There was, I found an. Another video about this woman from Bristol in the UK who's complaining that she got hit with congestion pricing, and that's a 15 minute city. And I, I had hit my limit for the number of British people I could listen to today. So I was like, we're not going to talk about it. But like Paris has congestion pricing, we're, uh, we just approved congestion pricing in Manhattan. And, and you occasionally see people talk about that in the context of the 15 minute city, but they're tangentially related, I guess. But they're two different things. Mm. One is about adding amenities to the physical space. And the other is about traffic calming or adjusting traffic. And the, the only place that they overlap is both should theoretically make it easier for you to get places without a car.
0: Wow. So, so I guess it's like this idea that 15-minute cities cropped up. Mm-hmm. And then it got seized upon by a radical group of people who, who think were, the government has too much overreach. Yes. And then anytime anything changes in a city... It must be 15-minute cities yes. that's behind
1: it. and it must be climate lockdowns, and it must be vaccines. God. It's wild. This does sort of raise the question, are 15-minute cities actually happening? And it's a little bit hard to answer because the 15-minute city isn't a policy. It's just a framework for thinking about how to build a nice city to live in. Mm. To the best of my knowledge, there is no place anywhere on earth that has like, you know, House Bill 501, the 15-minute city doctrine. There are a few places where if you like read their climate roadmap, they'll talk about the 15-minute city as something to strive for when you're thinking about building new communities or developing underdeveloped areas. I know that Portland in their 2015 climate action plan was talking about 20-minute neighborhoods, which is basically a 15-minute city concept. But again, it's hard to legislate because 15-minute cities mean different things to different people. Hmm. Um, You know, it's like you may as well legislate good city because that means different things. Much of New York is a 15-minute city. Not all of it. Parts of Brooklyn and the Bronx and Queens are not very well connected. But much of New York is a 15-minute city. But there's also parts of Miami that are, are, you know, really adequate 15-minute cities. And they look very different. And and so that's what makes it difficult to have a 15-minute city as a policy.
0: So if we had taken away the concept of 15 minutes and just said walkable,
1: So a lot of places, including Portland, have kind of rebranded this concept to complete neighborhoods. I'm so mad that
0: this like kind of reactionary right gets to do that, where it's like woke was a term that was about noticing historical Mm -hmm. racist structures in the in the framework of the government. And then it got seized on by the right. And now like you can't say woke without it like conjuring these weird ideas. Same with like. Drag queens.
1: And every 15-minute city will have a drag queen within walking distance. And
0: they are going to have a brunch where they will teach your child how to be a communist. Yes. Okay. yes, Got that
1: it. is That is part of the 15-minute city framework. Cool. Um, now, Portland's Climate Action Plan sets an objective for 2030, and it just calls for vibrant neighborhoods in which 90% of Portland residents can easily walk or bicycle to meet all basic daily non-work needs. So that's how they've rebranded the 15-minute city okay. as, as just... 90% of Portland residents should get to the shit that they need. You'll notice that there's nothing in it about shutdowns. There's nothing in it about restricting movement. It's just that people should have the option to get to where they're going.
0: Yeah, I wonder if there's like a, the rhetorical device of 15-minute city creates this idea that it's wherever you are, and then however far you can get in 15 minutes, that's what you're stuck with. You know, like, whereas when you hear the word walkable city or vibrant city, that's not an amount of distance. That is just the quality of the city. Yeah. And so, like, these are more difficult for these right wing dipshits to seize on. So you can't be like, how dare you want us to have a vibrant city? You know, like, that's just not something. But like 15 minute city can be, you know, metastasized into this horrible ghoul of a communist city.
1: Now, it's interesting that we're talking so much about right-wing dipshits. And for the record, they are the biggest problem. But there is also criticism of 15-Minute Cities from what I would call the disingenuous left.
0: I love those guys. What are they <laughs> up to?
1: <laughs> now that the 15-Minute City is in the lexicon, there is this push from the left. And you'll find out why I'm doing air quotes. Got it. For the listeners, listeners at home, I'm doing air she's quotes. She's doing air quotes. Uh, you'll find out why I'm doing that in a second. It It is this thing that you see in a lot of different domains where they'll use the language of progressiveness to argue for something fairly conservative, for not making change, for literally conserving the way that things are now. I'm going to have you in a second read sections of an article from The New Statesman, which is ostensibly a progressive kind of leftist blog. This is written by a guy named Michael Lind, who formerly worked for, wait for it, the Heritage Foundation. Oh, fun. Yes, or uh, an an organization sponsored by the Heritage Foundation. Wikipedia describes him as a former neoconservative in the tradition of New Deal liberalism. According to an article published in the New York Times in 1995, Lind, quote, defies the usual political categories of left and right, liberal and conservative.
0: Wow. Which
1: uh, always means conservative uh
0: (laughs) he's a free thinker
1: i will give him a little credit a little more credit at least than morano and his ilk he does criticize libertarianism he's a pro-union guy but personally by my standards calling him progressive is a little bit generous and this is the tweet thread that is the article that he wrote for the new statesman about the 15 minute city got it okay
0: The idea of the 15-minute city sounds appealing. Who wouldn't want to have everything they need, work, healthcare, education, shops, leisure, within a short walk of their front door? Okay, great. I'm with him so far. Off to a good start. But only brief reflection is needed to demonstrate how impractical the idea is. Consider work. Some firms may have establishments in many neighborhoods, but other jobs require employees to commute to a central office or warehouse or store. Except in a few of the world's densest cities such as New York, Tokyo, and Paris, public transport is no substitute for the speed and convenience of point-to-point travel in an individual vehicle. If cars and trucks are banished from the pedestrian village, how are medics and ambulances to get to victims of heart attacks? What
1: if you need them for medical reasons? How
0: are the infirm elderly to be taken by relatives and friends to medical appointments? The car has become a symbol of the low-density class war between the metropolitan overclass Mm -hmm. and the mostly suburban, multiracial working class in Western democracies.
1: This is basically the argument that you hear that like rich white libs want to take away your car, but real working class people will only be hurt by this.
0: Famously racially homogenous cities (laughs) versus the multiracial rainbow of ethnicities that are the suburbs. Yes. Yes. Okay. So
1: there's a lot of issues with this. The first one is that it conflates a 15-minute city with the idea of banning cars from the pedestrian village. Nothing in the 15-minute city framework bans cars. You can have cars in a 15-minute city. All the 15-minute city does is add amenities. It adds stuff closer to you, and it adds public transportation sometimes to make sure that you can get to the stuff that's closer to you. There is no framework for a 15-minute city that straight up bans cars. Imagine
0: the logical leap he's taking, where it's like, if we make it easier to not have to drive your car pretty soon, maybe we won't be driving cars around. And then they'll take away our cars, and then we'll have no way to get anywhere.
1: It is it is this weird snake-eating-its-own-tail thing. It doesn't make sense. There's also this, like, how are people going to get to work Part of what is a 15-minute city is your work is close to you. It's literally the second thing that is in the definition of the 15-minute city. And it's like if, for
0: instance, your work is not within 15 minutes of where you live, Mm -hmm. you're just on much clearer roads because a lot of other people people are not on the road.
1: Yes. Then there's my classic favorite argument against why we can't change anything. What if you need it for medical reasons? What What if an ambulance has to get through or your old grandma has to go to the hospital? First of all, there again is no framework for a 15-minute city that says ambulances aren't allowed. There will be roads in almost every conceptualization of a 15-minute city and ambulances will be able to drive on those roads. In the rare instances where we truly have a purely pedestrianized city there are ways for ambulances to get through. They have the bollards that retract into the street. There's There are a lot of ways to ensure that we get medical services to the people who need them.
0: Yeah. Imagine for a moment that we didn't have traffic lights before this moment, and someone's like, we got to have traffic lights.
1: <laughs> and somebody was like, well, if there's a red light, what if someone has a heart attack? How am
0: I going to save my snake bit cousin if there's a red light? I'm not going to be able to go through. <laughs> and red? What color is communism?
1: Red. Red.
0: So... No to this. Sorry, George <laughs> Soros. You're not gonna get me with your socialism light. Like I'm not a I'm not a fucking fly that's gonna fly into your little light trap. <laughs> I'm a free man, and my car is my horse, and my wife is my car.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and if you're so concerned about these all of these dying, sick, working class people. What about the infirm elderly who already can't get to their appointments because they don't have a car or someone to drive them because they can't? What about the people who are in the multicultural suburbs who are not near a hospital but are having vision problems, memory issues, mobility issues, and their struggling working-class family is at the jobs that they drove to so they can't go to the hospital?
0: And also, like, this is not really here or there, but, like... You all of a sudden care about making sure everyone has access to medical care?
1: (laughs) This guy, again, he does seem to support some sort of social safety net, so I won't – I won't say he doesn't support universal health care because I don't know, but it is like the, there's so many ways to get people medical care. Sure, Demanding everything stay fully accessible by car at the expense of everything else does not make you a champion of the working class. It just doesn't. If anything, what you're saying is like that warehouse worker shouldn't have a grocery store within walking distance of a house. He's a steel mill employee, okay? So we should put him farther away from the hospital because yeah. then he'll be happy.
0: Yeah, it's also like this poor poor guy has to work 80 hours a week at the steel mill. And I want to make it so that he can do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, don't you think that maybe the solution is to get him a better life?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it also, it frankly paints a pretty stereotypical picture of what a working class person is. You know, a working class person is somebody who drives to their job in their truck at, you know, a factory or, or something like that. What about all of the domestic laborers who, again, maybe don't have a car, maybe don't have the ability to get a driver's license because they can't pass a test in English, for example, or they can't afford a car? Mm. What about all of the ways we are making their lives, those working class lives, harder by requiring them to rely on cars to get around?
0: Yeah. One of the number one predictors of upward class mobility is your location presence to Public transportation. Yeah. And like.
1: Because it makes everything accessible. Yeah. You can get to a plethora of jobs that you can't get to if you live in your multicultural suburb. Yeah. We're also talking about working class people. Cars are expensive. Cars you have to pay for the car. You have to pay for insurance. You have to pay for registration. You have to pay for gas. Uh, you have to pay for maintenance. If there's ever, God forbid, a collision, you will be paying out your ass for that for the rest of your life, even if you have insurance. Cars are super expensive and asking a working class person to take on that burden and then being like they have the right to spend thousands of dollars a year on their car is not like the gotcha argument that you think it is
0: yeah yeah imagine imagine i guess the money saved from not having to own a car but still being able to go to work
1: i mean that's like a a way to build wealth like it is a not negligible amount of money that people like i don't have a good car it's i have you know a 2014 chevy volt it's not anything to look at but it costs me a lot of money every year and to ask somebody who doesn't make enough money to pay for that have to pay for that Mm -hmm. is confining them to poverty in a way that a city where they can walk to shit doesn't
0: yeah wow
1: All right, let's do the final analysis of this. We always like to talk about, is this misinformation or disinformation? For mm. my money, this is straight up disinformation. Yeah. Not only is it disinformation, but I was I was sort of like looking up ways, like how do you even counter this stuff? And a lot of places distinguish between disinformation and conspiracy thinking. And this is kind of beyond disinformation into conspiratorial ideology. So how do you counter these arguments? Normally I would throw it to you, but my honest opinion is... If you have somebody who is close to you who already like fully buys into this, they're too far gone. I like. Oh shit. I I don't <laughs> cut them loose. I don't think there's getting them back unless they come back on their own because they pull out of whatever like QAnon or conspiracy theory they're in. I think there's a few ways to like inoculate people who are maybe close to them who might be exposed to that line of thinking. I think if. You know, your uncle's coming over for Thanksgiving and you have seen him posting about 15-minute cities and stuff. I think maybe you start by telling your parents, like, I'm really excited about this part of town where a lot of new restaurants are going in. Mm. It's going to be so easy. Oh, my God. They're putting in a new bowling alley. We can all go bowling and it's going to be so. How long does it take to drive there?
0: A quarter of an hour.
1: (laughs) It's so easy accessible and it'll be walkable and it'll be a great place to bring kids. I'm really excited for it. Mm. I genuinely think if they mention anything about 15 minute cities, you have to change the subject. It is, it is it's, to the point now where it's like, it is
0: like, but where is there a 15? Like, like maybe, maybe putting the question to them, like where, where do you mean, what do you mean a 15 minute city?
1: The problem is a, they will probably give you an example like Oxfordshire. And, and this is where I want to go back to that first Clip that we talked about with Murano, not Moreno, Murano. He said in the clip: if you talk to environmentalists, they're gonna tell you it's just about giving you access to things. It's just gonna make things walkable from your house. It's everything that you need that's close to home. But it dips into totalitarianism really quickly. So we we see this phenomenon that happens a lot with QAnon and a lot with conspiracy theorists, where they will they know what our arguments are and they are going to preempt them by telling their audience. These people will tell you that this is happening, but it's a lie and it's eight part mile. of the conspiracy.
0: Hell yeah, it's the eight mile treatment.
1: And, and that's why I think that no amount of good faith arguing or trying to convince them is, is going to get you out of this conspiracy territory. Gotcha. And that's why I, I genuinely believe that for this, your best bet is to change the subject so they can't pollute anybody else's ideology and just focus on how awesome it's going to be to have a fucking Carrabba's walkable from your house. Carrabba's
0: is pretty good.
1: My dad loves it because they have gluten-free pasta. Nice.
0: And it is, from your your parents' house, it is, I guess they could probably get there. If they're hustling, they can get there in 15 minutes.
1: Two Carrabba's is downhill, so I think if they jogged, they could, could probably skateboard. get there. If they biked, they could be there in 15 minutes for sure. But God. going back up would be a whole Yo, ordeal. God, yeah. Raleigh and I grew up in an area that is the opposite of a 15-minute
0: <laughs> Right. And, and the Carrabba's <laughs> went in kind of recently, so that's yeah. like, you know...
1: So we never got to enjoy the fruits of Caravas.
0: <laughs> now I know we like to do like, what do you do at your Thanksgiving dinner? And I can't go straight in at my conspiracy theory relative, but maybe like their daughter or something. Maybe can we like? I'm mm, sure riff you're
1: that? you're trying to make it so that she doesn't adopt his bad ideas, right? right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We could riff that. Do okay. you do you want to be the who? Who's each of us being?
0: I guess I will be. Me and you be and I'll be the daughter. My relative's okay. daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Hi, Raleigh. Hey, what's up, wow, Cassie? your mustache looks so good from the last time I saw you.
0: Are you hitting on me? Last year
1: it looked bad.
0: Oh, okay. Got and it. Now it looks good. Got it. Okay. Thank you for the mustache compliment.
1: My my dad is over there. He's getting real heated. He says that the city of Aurora, Colorado, is is going to become a 15 minute city. He says that we're going to get locked into our 15 minute. Cities And we're not allowed to go more than 15 minutes away. Oh,
0: man, that is uh, that's wild that he says that. I think what he might be referring to is some cities are trying to become a little more vibrant and get a better downtown area kind of feel around the city. But there's no such thing as a lockdown to force you to stay within 15 minutes. That doesn't exist. That's not a thing. And it's sort of being propagated. But it's not a real thing.
1: I mean, my dad's pretty smart and he seems to have done a lot of research on this.
0: Totally. Yeah. There's there's a lot of people who are trying to make people think it's real, but mm-hmm. I guess it, yeah. So sorry, just dropping out of uh, character of Thanksgiving Raleigh into podcast Raleigh. Yeah. I guess I'm having trouble, like, Doing anything besides being like, "Hey, that thing that he's saying is a lie." It's
1: really hard. I I think um I think maybe the let's let's reverse roles. Okay, you be, got it. You be, be Cassie. Okay,
0: okay. Hey, your mustache looks really cool, but it used to be stupid.
1: Thank you. No I've been working out. Hey, cool.
0: <laughs> that is cool. Hey, you're pretty cool. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, hey, my dad is uh, talking a big game about these fifteen minute communist cities where they're gonna lock you into a city. And not let you go more than 15 minutes outside of where you live.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Do you know where they're doing those?
0: Uh, all over. all over yeah i think it's all over basically
1: now what i heard that they're doing in denver at least is they're like adding a bunch more stuff so that you can go to a lot of places on foot like like restaurants they might put in like a new park or a rec center i i I don't know exactly what they're doing near you but ping pong parlor maybe i love those yeah you should look into you know a lot of times in like the city plans they'll announce like what they're building Mm. if you're interested you could probably look at those and it might also say if they're planning on you know restricting access to anything in any way.
0: Oh, okay. So I just Google it?
1: Yeah, you can Google it. Or but you can-
0: Google is controlled by the woke mind virus people. Oh
1: boy, we lost her. We lost her. <laughs> Grandma, get the gun.
0: Get the gun. <laughs> you know what? Grandma, get the bread.
1: <laughs> What'd you do? Let's get the eat. bread. Let's, Let's, eat. Break Let's bread. just
0: break some bread and eat.
1: Let's eat. Yeah, it is it is really tough. And, and I think um, the more that you can get relatives or people in your orbit to stay away from the phrase 15-minute city. I think if they say 15-minute city, you change the subject and you say, hey, you know what I'm really excited about? They're putting in a new, like, sports facility. That's going to be awesome. My kids really want to play soccer, and it's going to be so nice to be able to walk there after school because we had Mm. so much trouble with parking before.
0: Oh, okay. That is nice. Yeah, maybe it's like, since this does veer so hard into conspiracy theory territory, so maybe, like, 15-minute cities. Oh, yeah, you ever heard of uh, 45-minute cities?
1: No, I wonder how 45 minutes it is.
0: It's terrorists. What? Trying to make you drive at least 45 minutes Mm -hmm. to work.
1: Yeah, let's. You and me spread another theory, another conspiracy theory where the government wants us to spend as much time in our cars as possible.
0: Yeah. They yeah. want to
1: trap us in our cars and restrict our freedom of movement so that if we leave our cars, they fine you, dude.
0: Here's the thing government found that radio broadcast is the most effective form of brainwashing. Mm-hmm. So they want to keep you in your cars where there's a.
1: Radio. That's right. Except and some of them only have Bluetooth now, but really, I think so.
0: No, come on. I don't know. Some cars only have Bluetooth. I don't know. I don't what shop for cars regularly. What brainwashing government would allow that, Nicole? We
1: got him. Ben, get the gun. Shit.
0: The Climate Deniers Playbook is hosted by Raleigh Williams. That's me
1: and me, Nicole Conlin. Our executive producer is Ben Bolt, and our audio producer is Gregory Haddock.
0: Theme music from the wickedly talented Tony Dominic, and artwork by Jordan Dahl.
1: Who, yes, okay, is my boyfriend, but that's not why we hired him. We hired him because he's very good at art. And our researchers are Knut Haroldson James Krugnail, and Carly Rosudo. Which
0: brain dead bureaucrat decided to put this flaming car right here? <laughs>